Welcome back to Throwing Hands. It's Daniel and I are back to review UFC 255. Daniel, how are you doing? Doing great, my man. I've been in quarantine for 10 days, and I'm finally free. Uh, we're, oh, about at this point that we're recording this, officially eight hours away from, uh, from Thanksgiving break at WVU. So we're pretty happy to be in this kind of situation. For sure. We got, we'll have a lot of content to bring to you guys over this break uh, period. Uh, Thanksgiving into Christmas, but we're going to start with what's right now, which is us reviewing 255. Uh, we're going to start with, uh, uh, well, first off, a very, uh, I, I just want to touch on this, very impressive performance by uh, Antonina Shevchenko over uh, Ariane Lipsky, who's been on the come up as of late. Uh, any uh, quick thoughts on this one? I think this is really where we finally saw Antonina Shevchenko maybe turn a corner. She was favored by a little bit coming into this fight. It was relatively close to even odds, minus 160 for her. And she's always been an extremely talented kickboxer. She's just really not been able to put together a complete fight in the UFC. And I think we finally saw her do that. I mean, a solid knockout against, like you said, Arian Lipsky, who's on the way up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, can't really disagree with anything you said there. But so on to the next one, uh, Joaquin Buckley versus Jordan Wright. If my computer decides to load this up, that'd be great. Here we go. Uh, Joaquin Buckley, I mean, he's been on a tear, as I'm sure you guys all know. He had that viral knockout, a viral knockout about a month ago. And he has a nice knockout against Jordan Wright. He almost had him in the end, at the end of the first, but when it came to the second round, it was over like that. What were your thoughts on Buckley's performance here? Very, very well-deserved performance of the night bonus here for Joaquin Buckley. Uh, controlled this fight regardless of, honestly, the knockout there. Uh, threw 30 more total strikes uh, than, uh, than Jordan Wright and landed 23 more. Uh, 43 of his 59 landed were significant, which is a pretty high rate, something you like to see out of somebody like Buckley to prove he's not just a power puncher, that he can actually land strikes. And he did against Jordan Wright, who's a solid, uh, solid competitor. And then he just came out and flattened him early in the second round. Uh, Buckley is still figuring some things out. Uh, that that's pretty clear. But when he when he gets a hold of somebody, it's it's pretty special. It is pretty special. Uh, now, Jordan Wright, I think he's he has a lot of potential. This was his first loss, so we'll see him get a nice, solid prospect coming up, I believe. But for Joaquin Buckley, I wonder what's next for him. What do you think? I think Buckley is in a position where I'm not sure he's ready for a top 15 fight. Uh, he's, he's close. I think maybe one more. Uh, I'm not really sure because, like I said, there's still some, some holes in his game that I think uh, have been pretty clear. Uh, but nonetheless, when you're dominating this heavily at this point in your career, you have to get pushed up. I'm not sure he's ready for a top 15, but he's getting close. He is getting close. So – to a fight which we'll get in, we'll talk about what the implications were in this one a little bit later. Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Roy Val. Roy, like we said, we didn't think Roy Val was ready for the chip, and I think that was clear in this one. Moreno uh, controlled 
the fight quite handily in this one. And with the TKO with 4.59 left in the first, with one second left in the first, rather, uh, Brandon Royval dislocating his shoulder, uh, kind of trying to avoid the ground and pound from Brandon Moreno. What were your thoughts on this performance? Yeah, Moreno just stayed on top of him for five minutes, uh, just in terms of pressure. Landed two takedowns in that time period. Landed 73% of the strikes he threw and had some solid significant numbers. Actually, uh, Roy Val landed more significant strikes uh, than Moreno, 17 to 16. Uh, but so much more of what Moreno did in this fight was impactful. Uh, he just uh, just controlled pace, uh, controlled the the – the timing of the fight essentially and control the octagon and against a guy like Roy Val that is look, looking more than likely for a submission, more than likely for a choke. If you can keep him moving backwards during the fight, you're in really good shape. And Brandon Moreno came out and followed that to a T. Yeah, he did what he had to do. He executed the perfect game plan and he got, uh, done quickly. All right. Over to the rankings for Roy Val. I mean, he's still fresh in the UFC. I don't, he shouldn't be deterred whatsoever. Uh, I think we could see someone like uh, Schnell, maybe even or maybe even Pantoja coming up for him. What do you think? Those are exactly the names I was going to throw out there. <laughs> and for Moreno, title shot. We know what's up. That's coming up in three weeks. We'll get into that a little later. But now to the main card. Uh, Hua versus Craig. Shogun didn't look like Shogun. He had a little bit of a late resurgence in his career, and he just looked old in this one. And then, you know, Paul Gregg, Craig did his thing, uh, made him tap to – made Hua tap to strikes, which uh, hasn't really happened until – well, Herb Dean stopped it before he did, but he, t he actually did tap to Jones when he fought in the title fight that one time. What were your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, that this – was a little bit of a surprise for me because like you said Craig made Hua not look like Hua and he took advantage of that I'm not necessarily sure obviously Paul Craig had a had a strong performance you don't win uh, by submission via strikes if you don't uh, but I think this a lot of the focus coming out of this fight is going to be the fact that Shogun looked so off in this fight and like I said Craig had a big part in that he outstruck him uh, more than double uh, in in total strikes and almost triple in significant strikes and then landed four takedowns. So uh, this was a really impressive performance for Paul Craig, but I think the more concerning thing coming away from it is what's going on with, with Mauricio Hua. Yeah, definitely. So to the rankings, uh, I think Hua has to hang it up. I, I, I agree with what Dana White said. There's, there's nothing else for him to prove. He's probably the second best light heavyweight of all time, back with what he did in pride and all of that. So there's nothing – he's a legend. There's nothing else left for him to do. What do you think's next? Yeah, there's nothing left for him. Uh, I mean, you don't want to see a guy like that go out on his back, but that's exactly what I think we're going to see more than likely just because uh, it's it's not been good recently. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you, you hate – like I said, you hate to see a guy like that uh, get beat up so bad in what you would think would be his last fight. I mean, he's 38 years old. It makes sense for him to hang it up here, uh, even though, you know, two of his last three fights he had won coming into this. But it just seems like it's time. Yeah, definitely. And for Paul Craig, it's he's on the come up. He's been looking – he's looked good his past two fights. Uh, two submissions in a row, one by uh, – one via strikes. But anyway – I think we could see him get someone, uh, you know, uh, early top 15, like like Ankalaev or Span or maybe even uh, 
Krylov, we haven't seen him fight in a while. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think it would be uh, be prudent of the UFC to get him against uh, an up-and-comer who's not necessarily somebody you're looking to sort of vault into title contention right away, but somebody like a Span, I, I think, would be a really good fight. Definitely. So uh, we're going to uh, skip over Chikagian and Calvillo for right now, uh, but we're going to head to Perry and Means uh, real quick, and then we're going to do uh, Chikagian and Calvillo after that. But Tim Means, man. He got the job done. Mike Perry won the first. Tim Means won the second very clearly. And then um, it was a, a toss-up in the third round, but Tim Means pulled it off, and I agree with the judge's decision. What, what were your thoughts on this one? This was a really interesting fight because of pure volume, Tim Means dominated this fight. But Mike Perry, uh, the way he strikes is so impactful and so powerful that you have to consider him on points anytime it gets to that point in a fight. Uh, something that I was scrolling through, uh, scrolling through the news earlier today uh, that honestly made me f- very interested and kind of off-put by this uh, was what Tim Means said about uh, the lead up to this fight with Mike Perry, who came in four and a half pounds overweight uh, for this fight. Uh, but Amin said uh, in an interview at the post fight presser that he was getting uh, that Mike Perry was sending him Instagram DMs of pictures of himself eating cheeseburgers and onion rings. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, like, like Mike Perry, as good as he is in the octagon. He's not going to beat guys even like Tim Means if he just doesn't take things seriously. And I think that's what we saw in this fight. He was so good in the first round, but as you would expect for a guy that came in four and a half pounds overweight, he gassed out in the second round and Means was able to, contri- to control it from there. Yeah, he looked fat. I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. Yeah. He, he looked fat. So I don't uh, – that's Mike Perry's decision. Uh, I think we see – Tim Means stay the gatekeeper in this division. He's he's older. He's not going to have a resurgence. Uh, there's not too much to talk about there. But Mike Perry, he has a place on this roster. I just don't know where. Yeah, it's I I, I don't know what is next for him because, uh, like like I said, he doesn't take the preparation seriously. And I, that's something that's so important to the UFC. He's a very talented guy who's got a lot of natural gifts, but if he doesn't take what's going on in preparation and what's going on outside the octagon seriously, he's never get going to get to any kind of high level. That's why he got beat by a guy who is very clearly de- can be defined as a gatekeeper in Tim Means. Yeah, definitely. So now we're going to hit uh, Chikagian and Calvillo, and then we'll explain what's next for these women after we review uh, – Shevchenko versus Maya, but Caitlin Chikagian put together probably the most perfect game plan you could put up against Calvillo, especially with her attributes. You know, she kept distance. She she picked her shots. She did what she had to do in the fight, and Calvillo just couldn't land a takedown. She landed one, but she wasn't successful. Uh, she seemed stubborn at some points, but Chikagian, got to give it to her. What do you think? Caitlin Chikagian just continues to surprise as she continues to get older in her career and get more experienced. Uh, it's just Cynthia Calvillo is, you know, the up and comer in this division, or at least was supposed to be. And Chikagian just cut her down and did exactly what she needed to win that fight, which is, it seems like it's what we've seen her do uh, really the most of the time that she's been at the top of this division. She's been doubted so much. I know both of us did coming into this fight. I've said so many times that I'm a big Cynthia Calvillo fan and I think she's extremely talented uh, but Chikagian uh, like like I said did exactly what was needed to do here I mean 
she's she's done it against every top contender she's faced except Jessica Andrade and Valentina Shevchenko, really, since she came up to the top of this division, really, at the start of 2019. Uh, fights against Joanne Calderwood, Jennifer Maya, Antonina Shevchenko, and now Cynthia Calvillo. She's just come in with the perfect game plan and executed it. And I, I don't think there's much more you can say about that. That's just how talented she is and how well she prepares. Definitely. So to the championship fight, I don't think any of us really expect – I expect – the more I thought about it, I expected Shevchenko Maya to go to decision because that's the only way Maya was going to win this fight. And it worked, but Shevchenko adapted, <laughs> and she dominated the fight except for the second round. Um, she landed 249 to 94 strikes which is nuts. And she just threw Maya down and she worked. I, there's, she, she didn't fight a perfect fight, but it was damn near perfect. What were your thoughts on this? Yeah. Uh, Shevchenko did exactly what she needed to do to win this fight. Jennifer Maya honestly did everything she needed to do to be competitive. It's just, she was fighting Valentina Shevchenko and she got outlanded 249 to 94. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Shevchenko is one of the best, regardless regardless of gender, one of the best kickboxers on the planet. And we saw that because she threw 317 strikes, landed 249 of them, and 62 of them were significant. And then, oh, throw in the fact that she landed five takedowns. She's the most dominant woman uh, pound for pound, I would say, in the UFC. So, uh, she went out there, she did what she does, and she finished off Jennifer Maya. And Maya was more competitive than either of us ever expected. Uh, but uh, Valentina Shevchenko is an extremely special competitor. Uh, she's honestly something that I'm not sure we've ever seen in women's MMA and might not ever see again, just in terms of her refinement and the way that she's able to use it in the octagon. Yeah, I, like you said, you know, Jennifer Maya did everything possible to make this competitive, yet Shevchenko still dominated the fight, and I, that just shows how good she is. All right, so we're going to kind of combine Chikagin, Calvillo, and Shevchenko, Maya, because I think it fits. So for Calvillo, she's, I think she gets a top-five opponent. I think uh, – here's my thing. Lauren Murphy called for the next title shot. That's not going to happen. Uh, no. she, she's proven nothing right. to me, in my opinion, except beating old Roxanne Modafferi. Roxanne Modafferi is great. She's a legend. She's a pioneer in women's MMA. But – Lauren Murphy has proved nothing to me besides that. So I think if Lauren Murphy can get another win against Calvillo, I think that could propel her to the next title shot. What do you have to say? I agree with that completely. I think that's a really good matchup. Two women that I would consider up-and-comers in this division trying to find a shot, and I think squaring off with each other would be great. And as for Chikadian's kind of in a standstill right now because I, I don't think there's a question that Andrade is going to get the next title shot. I You can't question that. I think, I think it's a given. Um, so unless Chikagian wants to take, uh, you know, a lower fight to stay in shape, I don't think it'd be in her best interest to do so. To do so, what do you have to say? If she can wait, unless she wants to fight Jennifer Maya, which I don't see likely, because I think she's in a position where she can wait for that title shot. Uh, but like you said, if she wants to get back out there and she wants to fight again, she's already beat Jennifer Maya once, and that was when Maya came in overweight as well. So if she wants to run that one back, I could see it being realistic to guarantee herself a title shot. But I think she's already in that position, and I think she can already wait to see a winner between Shevchenko and Andrade. Yeah, and the thing is, like, Chikagian, she's beaten Murphy, Calvillo, and Maya. There's nothing else for her to prove outside of <laughs> getting the next title shot. So 
it's unless she wants to move up i don't that'd be interesting but uh we'll see we'll see all right to the main event in the evening no surprises here in my opinion at least uh figueredo submits perez a minute and 57 seconds into the first round with a guillotine impressive guillotine but there i didn't expect much else what what do you have to say I said this in the preview. I think this is the beginning of an absolute reign of terror over this division for Davis and Figueredo because he is one of the most well-rounded fighters in the world. He's got a ton of power. He can do it on the ground, as we saw in this fight, submitting a guy like Alex Perez in less than two minutes. Uh, Figueredo, we are going to see a resurgence of this 125 division under him, and I think it's going to go to a level that it's never been seen at before because you've got guys like Roy Val coming up. You've got guys like Moreno that are extremely talented. If Cody Garbrandt finishes that move down to 125, you've got a legitimate headliner there that can challenge for your title as well. Like I get that in the past there have been dominant guys in this division uh, that have that have been notable at least uh, in the UFC. Uh, but the more you think about this 125 division, uh, the more that it becomes really exciting. Because, yeah, uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson, Demetrius Johnson, when he was there, uh, was extremely notable because until he got knocked off by Henry Cejudo, he had destroyed any and all comers that came after him. But it's because the UFC didn't have any decent flyweights. Now you've got you know, Figueredo, Royval, Moreno. Uh, Perez. Kind <laughs> of... There's a ton of guys in this division. It's a, it's a legitimate list of contenders now. And I think this is a really exciting time to watch the UFC flyweight division because you've got a dominant champion in Figueredo who can make things happen and a long list of contenders that are ready to come after him. Definitely. So I think we, we know what's next. It's Moreno, Figueredo in three weeks. Uh, shortest turnaround for a title fight in history, if I'm not mistaken. So in my opinion, I think Roy Val Perez – I think Roy Val Perez is the fight to make. I don't I, – I'd watch that in a heartbeat. What do you have to say? I, I think so. That would be an outstanding fight, and it makes sense with, with who's coming up in the division right now. All righty. That'll do it for the review. But on to some news. Uh, uh, Piotr Jan Aljamain Sterling's off for 256. So uh, Figueredo and uh, Moreno have saved the card, essentially. But it's a good, it's a good card. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, uh, that fight being off, at least for the time being, is a little upsetting because it's one I was really looking forward to, two guys that I really like to watch. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you get Figueredo, who I absolutely love, if you haven't figured that out yet from the last two episodes of the show. Uh, you get Figueredo back out there again uh, in, in a fight that I think is going to be really exciting, taking on Moreno, who had a really strong performance this past weekend. Definitely. Uh, there's uh, The whole uh, last Fight, the last event of the year, the whole card's been announced. And boy, I, I don't think there's honestly been a better card this year. Uh, compared, yes, uh, there's some pay-per-views have been pretty damn good. But this uh, last fight night card of the year on the 19th is phenomenal. You know, you got Edward, Shemaev, Neil, Thompson, Tybora, Hardy, Font, Marias, uh, Kirkinov, Span, Vera, and Aldo. Like, what more do you want in a card? <laughs> It's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely great. And it's not necessarily a bunch of champions or a bunch of contenders coming in. 
but it's really exciting guys. A lot of the guys that have made their names in 2020 getting another shot to go out there one more time and carry some, some momentum over in 2021, which I think is an amazing idea by the UFC. I mean, you put Shemaev who came up so quickly in 2020 in the last main event of 2020, uh, you get uh, Wonder Boy Thompson and Jeff Neal, which is just going to be absolute fireworks. Greg Hardy, who was one of your MVPs in 2019, who's still trying to figure things out a little bit, get back on track after a little bit of a rough year. Ryan Spann, who's trying to bounce back. Uh, Marlon Vera, who pulled off one of the biggest, uh, not necessarily upsets, but one of the most unexpected wins of the year, getting another shot back out there. I think it's a really exciting card that's going to be really fun to watch. And I think it's really good matchmaking by the UFC to take some of the guys that stood out in 2020 and put them on that last card. Yeah, definitely. Um, a couple of the small notes, Ciro Gane versus uh, Junior Dos Santos booked for 256. Um yeah, there's not really too much else to say. Uh, we got Blaze versus Lewis Saturday. That's exciting. And then Hermanson versus uh, Holland on the fourth. Do you got anything else? Um, ben Askren, never say never on return to MMA competition after successful hip surgery. Oh, man. I don't, there's not, <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> I'm not, like, intrigued. You know? Yeah. It's almost like Ben Askren's a lot more fun when he's not fighting than when he actually is. Yeah, his Twitter's great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you follow him, but I do. his Twitter's great. It's, it's great. Do you follow uh, Darren Till on Twitter? I don't. I know he's a great follow, but I've not got around to it. <laughs> you got to get around to it. I he will. just he, he went on like a two-week span of like trolling Brendan Schaub for just no reason. It's it, He's, yeah, he's just mean, a troll. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, well, why not troll Brennan's job? He does what he wants, and that's what you got to love about Darren Till. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot to mention this earlier uh, before we before we wrap this one up, uh, but uh, as far as the medical suspensions go uh, from, um, from this past fight, 255, uh, not a ton uh, in terms of people that – that one that would potentially be looking at a quick turnaround other than Joaquin Buckley. He needs to have an x-ray for a potential broken hand and could be suspended for six months if he does not get cleared of that. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, Sean O'Malley uh, looking on bloody elbow right now. Sean O'Malley announces his return at UFC 258. So you can expect the Sugar Show on uh, February 13th. Um, uh, the, currently, uh, as in his book, he is undefeated. So if you want to see an undefeated fighter, go at it. I mean, February 12th, your date. All right. That's all I got. You got anything else? Music again. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. I don't know when you'll see us next. Uh, Thanksgiving week's kind of weird, but what do you, uh, thank you, Danny, for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me once again. All right. All right. We'll see you guys next time.